Okay, we are at the September 14th, 2017 meeting of the Science Fiction Club, and welcome everyone, uh, and we are doing the Bring Your Own Book again, because it seems to have worked so well the first couple times, although the crowd is smaller this time. Uh, nevertheless, we are going to talk about our own books again this month, so whoever wants to hit the button first and then can start with their book. Well, I think I'll start first because I wasn't here last month and I guess I should be the first one. Um, I read the book called A Closed and Common Orbit by Becky Chambers. I wanted to mention the name of the first book because something happened and there was the, the first title of the first book was left out of the recording last month. I think there was a, a blip in the transmission or something. It was called The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. So in case you wanted to know what the first book was called and it wasn't in the recording, um, that's what it is. But the one I'm going to talk about this month is a closed and common, common C-O-M-M-O-N, closed, C-L-O-S-E-D, closed in comet orbit, common orbit, by Becky Chambers. And it is essentially about the lives of two people. One of them is an AI who was in the first book, and her name was Lovelace, and her identity got destroyed. I'm not going to talk about how or why, but she was the computer on a starship and in the second book she ends up with a totally different name and she ends up with a mobile body so she can walk around and run around and be wherever she wants to and the other character of interest in the second book is called Pepper and she was in the first book also but she was um, in the second because she had a similar background except that she was born at a factory and in the factory she was not cloned but she had she was a among a batch of genetically um, grown artificially grown genetic people and they were all born at the same time so she had a name which was Jane and then she was number 23 so she manages to escape from this factory and an AI person raises her from age 10 to adulthood and it turns out that she becomes Pepper in her career and she is the one who raises <coughs> the, the new Lovelace person who has a different name that I can't remember so that the new Lovelace person becomes a mature adult or mature AI person. So it's kind of a neat link. And that's what the second book is about, is about how they grow up. And you go back and forth between Jane's childhood, which was probably about 20 years before um, the, the other uh, Lovelace becomes sort of a child. So it was back and forth between the new Lovelace and the new Pepper. Um, and it's absolutely fascinating to watch these two mature and grow up and grow into what they become as as a mature AI and a mature adult. 
and Jane, 23, was 10 years old when she escaped from her factory. So that gives you a pretty good idea of, of you know, what she started out with and where she ended up as Pepper in, the, in her adult years. That sounds like an interesting couple of books, Mary. Thanks. Um, I'll go next. Once again, I have a book that I can't really recommend, but I guess it's the only sci-fi book I read this month, so that's what I'll talk about, and you guys can avoid it. Uh, and maybe you'd be smarter than me and avoid it to start with. It's called Rewinder, and it's by Brett Battles. And I think Brett Battles is usually a spy writer, not a sci-fi writer. Um, it attracted me because, of course, it had one of my favorite elements, which is time travel. It's about um, a bunch of young people that re get recruited into this institute, and they do time travel to check the pedigree, basically, of famous rich people to make sure they don't have anything bad in their past and stuff like that. And, uh, of course, something goes awry, and the world that he lives in is now a different world. And I can't really tell you what he did to change that without giving too much away. But, of course, he has to decide whether this new world is maybe better than the old one. Maybe he doesn't want to get it changed back. And the, some of the other people at the Institute, are the usual young adult kinds of stuff, some are not so nice, some are better. But all in all, it just the time travel element was interesting, the fact that he could change the worlds like he did. And it was a very interesting thing that was different. I, I liked that aspect of it and how he was going to maybe change it back. But uh, for the most part, it was just kind of okay. I, I can't say the people were that well developed and it wasn't that interesting and I wouldn't read another one of this author's books if he in fact had any more sci-fi books. Well, um, that sounds interesting. Um, I'm sorry, did I did I step on top of you, uh, Sherry? I didn't mean to. Oh, no, not at all. Okay. All right. Well, I have to explain that um, I knew uh, back in August that I was going to have a wisdom tooth removed. So I decided that I knew exactly what I wanted to read during my recovery or whatever and I decided to reread all seven books of the Serrano legacy now I've just checked on Bookshare and the first two in the Serrano legacy are there however I don't see the remaining five and I read uh, the Serrano legacy courtesy of a friend who lent me his uh, graphic audio copies of uh, all seven books. But at least the first book is there on Bard, and it is called Hunting Party. And I have to say that every once in a while I get struck with moon madness, and um, I just enjoy Elizabeth Moon so much because she writes good fantasy, excellent fantasy, and she writes excellent science fiction. And so um, it doesn't matter which you choose. You'd be satisfied with either one. But since this is the science fiction, I will tell you that 
uh, this book, this series of books, is um, quite something because it takes several issues uh, and explores them. And the first book is called Hunting Party, as I said. And it is about a captain who is discharged from fleet. And her family has been in fleet forever. You know, her parents are in fleet, both of them. Her aunt is in fleet. Her grandmother is in fleet. You know, and and uh, she's been discharged because of something that happened. And she becomes the captain of a luxury yacht, uh, which is owned by a rich old lady. And one of the things that I love about Elizabeth Moon is that she has these wonderful old lady characters. They're bit parts, but they are absolutely fantastic. And I think she's trying to kind of tweak our noses a little bit and say, hey, you know, senior citizens are great people. And sometimes they can do amazing things. And that's the kind of people that are in uh, these books. And so, um, with that, I I won't talk your ears off. But Hunting Party, uh, as I say, um, she becomes this lady's uh, captain of this luxury yacht. And she learns a lot about the old lady and the friends and so forth. And then they end up facing a crisis. And... um, how these people face the crisis that they're in is uh, how there are a bunch of young people in the in the book, and and this is you know kind of a growing up story, and this particular crisis, and I won't tell you about it because it it would spoil things, but the crisis is there to help the young people grow into better people, and uh, it. It's just a great book and a great series of books, and I just love her writing. It's it's just great. Uh, one question: You said that the the books were on Bookshare, and then you mentioned Bard. So is Hunting Party on Bard? No, the books are not on Bard. Uh, they the first two, as far as I could tell just now from looking, the first two in the seven book series are on Bookshare. And they are Hunting Party and Sporting Chance. I read these books, um, as I say, I borrowed them from a friend who got the graphic audio editions. And um, so I have all seven. But um, apparently Bookshare only has the first two. So we all may want to do something about that. because I really think they ought to be there. And um, I will check out Elizabeth Moon and see about us getting book books three and four and five and six and seven one at a time. And um, we'll work on that project. And maybe you can help out too if you want to do some proofreading. Um, I had a question. Oops. 
does that mean that the crisis was manufactured so it's not really a crisis it's one of those powers greater than they just engineered a crisis for them no not in the sense you mean um, they the young people are well they end up going somewhere and getting themselves involved in a um, in a hunting party, uh, and I won't say anything more than that, I, because it would it, it would be a spoiler, um, so I I won't. But uh, um, it's it's a great as they say it's a great series of books, um, and I would be very happy to proof um, the books, uh, you know if you know once you get them scanned, I'd be very happy to proof. Well, I read a book, which is a collection of stories. It's called Analog's Lighter Side and was edited, or whatever you call it, by Stanley Schmidt, who was the um, primary um, person responsible for Analog for years. And... As usual with collections, there were some stories I really liked. There was one I didn't like at all. Uh, as an example, some of the ones I liked, uh, one of them written by Isaac Asimov explained how a goose could lay golden eggs. Then there was one uh, where a cow, laid, uh, cow gave milk that was a rocket fuel. Uh, a guy that discovers um, faster than light travel by the post office. Um, there was a time travel story about uh, explained the statues on Easter Island. Um, the one I didn't like was a kind of a copy of the Francisco Pizarro invasion of South America, which I've always thought that the Spanish didn't do us any favors when they destroyed the civilizations in the uh, in South America. And overall, I guess I liked the book. Um, it wasn't quite as funny as I'd hoped it would be um, because a long time ago, I think it was before Schmidt's time even, they had a, a series about a ship's captain that kept getting into things uh, that were interesting and funny. But uh, this wasn't that. On another topic, I finally got irritated enough yesterday to... Uh, send a message off to Bard about these omnibus books because they had one that all it had was the titles of the books. It didn't have any description of it all, you know, about the plots of the books, just that they were mysteries and didn't get a very satisfactory answer. Um, but it got booted up a level, so and I haven't heard back from them. So maybe something will happen, but I doubt it. Are you thinking of uh, Haviland Tough 
Is that the captain? Those uh, were George R. R. Martin. Those were good. He had that giant arc ship that I forget how he got it. You remember him? Is that who you're thinking of? No, this guy was a captain of a real ship. Like one of the stories, I think he got the old nuclear-powered um, cargo ship, the Savannah, or uh, maybe the uh, an Arab guy made one, and then he got one where... Uh, uh, he turned bad people into rats. Uh, then he got into space, and it was a, just a bunch of interesting stories. It was a collection published as Captain Empirical, um, which I would really like to see on on Bard or Bookshare. I don't even know if you can if it's even still in print. Captain Empirical. That sounds like Robert Asprin's kind of thing, doesn't it? I don't know. It was so long ago, I don't even remember the author. But I did enjoy the books just because they were kind of off the wall. I read the analog lighter side also recently. Just a, I, I think I read it a long time ago, and then I kind of looked at it again about a month and a half ago. And it turns out you liked the same stuff that I liked, and you didn't like the stuff that I didn't like. So we had very similar experiences with that book. But the stuff that I liked was worth reading again, I must say. I really enjoyed those. <laughs> they were they, not so much laugh-out-loud funny, but they were, they were light. Well, I liked the um, part where they, they mix the eggs and the milk and get a nuclear exp Well, not a nuclear explosion, but a large-scale chemical explosion. And the reaction of the nuclear scientists... That does sound funny. It really does. I'll have to. I I think I put that on my TBR list. I'm pretty sure I did. It's either on the Bard wish list or it's uh, in the books I downloaded. I can't remember which. But I think I did. Uh, you know, I did cull it at some point. So I'll have to go and and uh, read it. Well, I've been getting. I'm becoming more and more disappointed with the stuff I see in the analog. The stories just don't grab me the way they used to. Uh, I'd like to see them go back to maybe a little more light-hearted stuff. But that's just my opinion. Well, I second that. I've been noticing, too, that when I read analog lately, I skip more stories than I read, and it used to be the opposite. Um, the book that I am going to talk about is one that I proofread for Bookshare, so... And it's actually on Bookshare. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's called Crystal Witness by Kathy Tires, and I guess she writes Star Wars books as well. Um, I liked it. It's not fabulous or anything, but it was pleasurable. I liked it because it talked about society you know there were there weren't any big space battles um, it was about a universe that was or a whatever a universe more or less controlled by a corporation and it talked about how the corporation would control other planets and control trade and control everything and people were um, either killed or reprogrammed 
so that they felt compelled to work for the corporation if they were caught not doing it, you know, as they conforming, as they were expected to. And so the main, there are, I, I would say, three main characters in the story. Um, one, the, the, the main character is an artist who was reprogrammed, and she is now, um, she now creates fabrics and, and collages and things, and she um, is sent to a planet where the corporate, the main, the second main character is a woman who works for the corporation, but she also is trying to promote art. And the third character is a poet uh, uh, and a musician. And the story is more or less about the way they have to live in order not to be suspected of um, not complying. And the main character is also the, the, the musician wants her to spy and, and tell him things that she sees. And on the other hand, there's a corporate guy who wants her to spy. And so she's very torn because she doesn't feel very, she's, you know, kind of low in the, on the, pecking order and she doesn't feel real confident to tell them no you know they're they threaten her and she doesn't so and the main idea of the story is is how they throw off the yoke of the corporation I liked it it had a happy ending I liked it because it described the planet very well there there weren't any aliens <laughs> sorry Mary but um if you want to a read that's not real depressing, so as so many books are these days. Um, it's it's a nice rainy afternoon book. Well, I'm glad it's on Bookshare. Definitely, thank you for that because I was afraid you were going to say it wasn't, and then I'd be spending two months trying to wait for it to show up. So, thank you very much for that. Well, I haven't been reading much science fiction lately. Um, I have, for the last two months, been slowly working my way through John um, Paul J. McCauley's Red Dust, and I'm about two-thirds of the way through it, and I just, uh, it's just too much nonfiction that uh, is calling to me right now. Science fiction just isn't, uh, but... Uh, I'm enjoying this book most of the... I'm, I, there are some problems with it, but I'm enjoying it pretty well uh, for the most part. Uh, but after I finish it, then I have to figure out how to explain it because it's pretty strange. But I'm kind of liking it. Um, it is set on Mars, uh, which is not... You know, my, I think Mars has been overused. But in this, uh, the technology is really... It's about six or 700 years in the future, but... Unlike a lot of SF writers, Macaulay assumes that technology is going to continue to move forward somewhat at the pace that it has been, if not accelerate, which it is accelerating, but even if it doesn't, it's going to be pretty far by then. And um, But the Chinese have taken over. Uh, the Chinese settled Mars before the Americans, or they came after the Americans and took over because the Americans weren't work wasn't working out too good. And so the main character is actually Chinese. Uh, 
and he gets kicked out of his community because somebody comes down from space, an anarchist. There's there's a lot of uh, other sectors of the solar system, factions in different parts of the solar system. Um, Mar- uh, Earth is called the consensus. There seems to be some kind of a... something like the comprise that um, um, my, um, Michael Swanwick's... Uh, like, it's all one consciousness run by some AI or other. Though we haven't seen that in detail yet. He hasn't described it much. He just gives us little hints about it. But anyway, um, uh, if you want something that's a pretty imaginative but a little hard to follow sometimes, uh, you might want to give it a shot. Uh, I don't know how it's going to end yet. It's He's apparently going to... There's going to be a big... He's, he's like they treat him as a god because he was infected with this virus that gives him all kinds of enhancements. He can see better and hear better, and he has amazing, he has these metabolic bursts where he can move incredibly fast and and stuff like that. And so, um, so he is leading this revolt against the, the tyranny of the, the main government on Mars. Uh, but they've got a lot of a technology, too, and they know what's going on, at least to some extent. And they are... Uh, so we'll have to see how it goes, but I am, I'm, as I said, about two thirds into it, um, and it's pretty good. But um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I had an idea. This is a little bit off the topic, but I was thinking this afternoon. There's so many old science fiction movies floating around that are either described, or there are a few that aren't described. Would it be appropriate? occasionally to review science fiction movies in this group or should we just stick with books uh it depends on how available they are maybe you know whether the rest of us can can access them because it would be really frustrating to hear about you know movies that are sort of out of our reach well i'm inclined not to talk about movies at all because if we start doing that then it'll be movies and then it'll be tv series and then it'll be <laughs> You know, it'll be the whole thing. It'll be Stargate, and it'll be Red Dwarf, and it'll, I don't know what else. Um, um, but, on the other hand, we've talked about Star Trek, but I think Star Trek was kind of grandfathered because there's so many books about it. Um, I don't know. I, I guess we'd have to go and see what the consensus says. But I'm inclined to stick with books because there's so much of that already. If um, we have a slow night like tonight, I don't see why we can't... You know, I guess. branch out and talk a little about movies like now because we're out of, we finished doing books. I don't think I'm particularly in favor of it. Unless it's really easy to get the m- movies. Because um, I'm kind of tired of fighting technology because I'm losing. I get a lot of mine from Blind Mice Movie Vault, and you have to sign up to be a member of that, but it's free. Only problem is sometimes they send you a lot of junk mail that you don't want. But I just thought I'd throw out the topic just to see what people thought. Besides, I happen to love the movie Arrival. <laughs> Hooked on that crazy thing. Well, I'd rather stick to books. Um, if You know, if a new member can 
put in a vote. Uh, I'd rather stick to books. I use Blind My Smart too, Mary, and they do send you maybe a couple emails a week. Um, maybe a good forum for the movies would be the sci-fi email list. Um, you could write a review of the movie on there. I'm sure people would enjoy reading it. Yeah, that's a good idea because that way it wouldn't interfere with the club and what the meetings are for and all that. But it was just an idea I had this afternoon. I thought I'd throw it out and see what people thought. By the sci-fi mailing list, do you mean our club list? Because I would love to read um, your reviews, Mary, and I knit and... I bet movies that I could get at the Blind Mice site would be more interesting than what I find on television. Or, you know, I listen to talking books when I'm knitting, too, but a movie would be a nice change. I tried to get into there. I remember corresponding with Mary about it. I never did get in. They've made it a little easier now to download. It used to be a real pain because when you click to download, it sends you to send space, and when you try to click download on that site then it wants to download software and it was just a pain but now there's a JAWS key you can use to click the right download and it downloads fairly easily and quickly so it's a lot less painful than it used to be. You do have to just sign in and create an email email and password and you get a couple emails a week it's nothing too bad but yeah I'd enjoy reading your reviews on the science fiction um, email list Mary. Well plus um they don't care if you share the stuff either. Um, once you download it off of the movie vault, they don't seem to care or have any objection. Maybe they don't find out that people share this stuff. But, <laughs> I mean, I've downloaded stuff for other people who had trouble getting into the Blind Mice site, and I've downloaded a movie and sent it off to them through Dropbox link, and, and nobody said anything complaints or anything about it. I don't think they would care because it's free and it's not even, anybody can sign into Blind My Smart. it's not even restricted to blind people, so I, I don't think they care. I think they assume most sighted people aren't going to be interested in listening to a movie. That's what somebody mentioned. Um, you can get um, audio descriptions um, on your braille display on the on uh, the iDevices eye, eye so that I don't know if this is a new feature or if it was an old, you know, if it's just somebody mentioning something that's been around for a while, so that if you're listening to movies with sighted people, you can read the descriptions without, and they won't have to listen to them. I haven't seen that anywhere. You know, usually description is added directly to the um, the audio of the movie, so it's just built right into it. Well, it usually comes, like, on a separate channel. I remember they used to have that SAP, like, on your DVD you have to invoke that channel. It's, it's built in, but you don't have to access it directly. So apparently what you can do is you can direct the description to a device. You don't have to, it doesn't have to go through, you know, the voice or the voiceover or whatever. You can send it to another device and read it on your Braille display. That might be a new feature. Jonathan read Mosen. Read it in Braille? Jonathan Mosen was talking about it last week. I think it's, I think it's going to be a new feature in iOS 11. Oh, it sounds interesting. Well, uh, it's been a sort of a long day, so uh, I think I may up and uh, up and slide out of here if you guys don't mind. But uh, enjoyed the reviews of of your books, and uh, I may keep coming if if you guys keep the same format because I like this because I usually end up reading 
several books a month, and and they're usually divided between fantasy, mystery, and science fiction, and um, so it's not too difficult to come up with a book to share. So I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. And it's nice to have you. I hope you keep coming. Okay, and since we're talking about, since somebody mentioned a movie, I'm going to mention a nonfiction book that I'm in the middle of called Life 3.0 by Max Tegmark. If you want a really interesting book about the future, the near-term future, and then he goes far out later on, uh, and then he comes back around to talk about consciousness and AIs and How stuff like that. It? Oh, it's about 350 pages, 340 pages. It's a PQ book, but it's got pages in it. Page numbers and page breaks. It's on Bookshare. It's a fabulous book. Um, really, I'm up to page 216 now, so I've got about two. I'm about two thirds of the way through. So, uh, if you want to read something nonfiction that's awesome, check it out. And Mary, you found some uh, you you found some things that I missed in David's book. So, I hope you'll. You won't close the door on the idea of becoming a proofreader for um, Bookshare. You do a good job. Well, I don't know. I'll keep it in the back burner. Let's just say that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. It's so much, so much concentration that's involved in it, and I just I get so tired. Even after I spread a book out like I did with David's book, it took days to get through that, and it was well worth it. But I couldn't do that. I couldn't do very much of that. It's, it's too much like when I was a tech writer. <laughs> you know, just a lot of effort. And I enjoy it immensely, but I don't have endless bunches of energy to use either. So that's, you know, I'm not 40 years old anymore. <laughs> All right. Well, we will close the meeting by saying that the next meeting will be on Thursday, October 12th? Is that Columbus Day? Um, okay, never mind that. Uh, October 12th, uh, 2017, and we will do Bring Your Own Book again, and uh, hopefully some of our regulars will return, Oh, and we'll have a larger crowd next month. Wait, don't stop. I have a, I have an idea for, for you guys to consider. What if, if you pick a book to discuss for the next month, you put it on this on our on our um, email list just in case somebody else wants to pick it up and read it at the same time that you are. I mean, we wouldn't have to do that, but I've known for two months that I was going to do Crystal Witness, and I would love to know in advance it, it in case you know. I mean, 